morning bitches and welcome back to wellness for real unless this is your very first time listening to our podcast then welcome to your very first episode which also happens to be our last episode if you are just now discovering our podcast that's okay we have over a hundred episodes you can go back i recommend going back to our very first episode Uh, where you will be introduced to myself and my co-host. My name is Marlena. Her name is Felicia. We talk about all things wellness on this podcast. We share so many amazing stories. There are so many wonderful episodes. So after you listen to this one, make sure you go back and check out the rest. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast I know I said that there would be four final episodes, um, but it didn't work out that way. And just like this podcast naturally happened, I wanted the ending to come to a natural, uh, genuine, authentic ending as well. So here it is, y'all, the final episode with Jordan Syatt. Such a great conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. Morning, bitches, and welcome to the final episode of Wellness for Real, at least for now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me and Felicia are here, and we are waiting for Mr. Jordan Syatt to join us. The unicorn, that's why. The unicorn, yes, he's been our unicorn. We've had him on our queue for a very long time. I think it took you, what, about a year of emailing him to get him on the show. You booked this, what, 10 months ago? Yep. (laughs) And we even had to change it one time. (laughs) Yes, we had to reschedule. Uh, Oh, and the day is finally here. Yes, yes. And now we wait. We're pretty excited. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, not going to lie, but excited mostly. I feel like this is a, a really great grand finale, right? I agree. I agree. And I feel like he's someone that just has a really nice, well-rounded approach to wellness. Yes, for sure. Um, finding him and other accounts like his early on in my journey definitely... I think, um, solidified that good mindset of going into like a weight loss journey, you know? So very excited to chat with him and see what kind of little nuggets he's going to give us today. Little nuggets he's got. I just want to make sure that we're not getting any emails. Yeah. I just wanted to start recording. Normally we talk to the person before we start recording. Oh, here he is. Um, but we figured since this was such a special guest, we would give you guys uh, the full uncut everything. <laughs> and now we wait. Yay! Hello! Hello. One sec. See, we're not the only ones that have issues with sound, Felicia. Oh, my God. We, we had to take our headphones off because they weren't working prior to That's <laughs> all good. It happens all the time to me. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Hope y'all are having a good day. 
We, we are. are. We're Did so you get excited to talk to you. <laughs> Likewise. I'm stoked. Let's do yes. this. Well, first and foremost, thank you for joining us on the Wellness for Real podcast. Uh, congratulations on your new baby. How is fatherhood thank going? You. Oh, it's the best. I love it. It's uh, it's amazing and it's exhausting and it's petrifying and it's incredible <laughs> and it's like the best thing ever and it's fucking crazy. It's all of those at once. So it's it's oh. amazing. But thank you very much. Awesome. That's exciting. I'm like, I was going to ask if you were getting any sleep. It doesn't change uh, when they yeah. get old. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone is saying because it's people are like, what are, someone said to me as yesterday, I don't know, the days all blend together now. Someone said something to the effect of is is the sleep the hardest part? And I was like, no, like I'm tired, but I'm okay being tired. I was like, the hardest part is the worrying because yeah. I'm worrying about like, is she going to roll over in her <laughs> sleep or like, is she breathing? Like new, I don't think I'd ever seen a newborn before this. And like, they're tiny. They're so, I'm like, is this real? Like you, you don't even look <laughs> real. And when she sleeps, I'm like, I can't even tell if you're breathing. So I'm like, sometimes I'll literally like shake her just to like, see if she moves or something. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to hear her breathe and like, I can't. And so I'm like, I freak out. So, and then people have been like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't stop like worrying just like it gets worse and worse and worse as they get older, which I believe like yes. the shit that I did when I was a kid, I'm sure my oh, mom man. was worrying about me all the time. <laughs> my daughter turns 21 this year. Wow. I'm worried and not getting a lot of sleep. And no, I'm like, <laughs> so yes, but it's fun. It's an, it's an incredible journey. Yeah. 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 Well, awesome. Thank you so much. So have you learned any great life lessons yet being a father? I know it's been a short period of time so far, but. Yeah. So I learned, um, I learned that the first few weeks of poop don't smell. And uh, I had no idea. I was so surprised. I like, and, and it's funny, like apparently it's called like meconium or something where like, I didn't even know there's a special name for the type of newborn poop. It doesn't even smell. And they're like, yeah. And someone said, yeah, it only starts to smell when they start eating like, like either formula or real foods, as long as it's breast milk, it won't smell. I'm like, that's crazy. I I wish like, that's incredible. Like her poop still doesn't smell. I'm like, this is amazing. And uh, so that's a real cool life lesson. Um, I know it's the, another thing is, you know, (laughs) babies have no muscle at all. So she's just like, you know, her head's (laughs) all, I don't know if this is a video podcast, but she's just like all over like, so like, I'm trying of course, me being the personal trainer, I'm like, I wanted to get strong real fast. So like, I'll hold my hands around her heads, like to try to get her to hold it up. And like, so if it does fall, like I'll catch it. My wife is like, be careful, be careful. And I'm just like, trying to do things just to get her to get stronger right away so uh like yeah, just having fun with it and, and seeing how it, how it goes but yeah all these crazy little things that I, I wasn't aware of love that she'll be deadlifting by two right oh yeah we've already got <laughs> many weight sets for her oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I wonder if they actually make those probably um uh, <laughs> probably do so we're so excited to have you you're like our favorite yes content <laughs> creator um and we just love that you promote sustainable weight loss and fitness which is what our podcast is all about and just sustainable wellness overall um so i would just love to know like how did you become this person that we see now like how did you fall into this line of work oh man that could be a that could be a whole separate podcast um uh, uh, so basically I'll give the short version and if you want to discuss more, we can, but so, um, 
I come from a very short family. Like I'm a short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy, right? So like very, you know, I like lifting weights and help people with their nutrition, but I have an older brother and we come from a very short family. And my mom, when we were young, she didn't want us to get bullied. And I think my, my older brother was getting picked on at school. And um, so when I was eight years old, she walked into to the living room and I was lying on the couch and she was like, I'm going to put you two into wrestling. And the only wrestling that I knew at eight years old was WWF. So I was like, I, I remember, I'll never forget this. I looked at her, I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot. Like Olympic style wrestling, which I had no idea what that meant or was, but she put us into it and I fell in love with it. I just like head over heels. I was in love with it. And I come from a family of very academic people, like teachers, doctors, lawyers, all of that. And I would, I'm like the black sheep. I'm terrible in school. I was, I was in special education. School did not come easily to me. It was really, really difficult, but athletics, I loved and movement. I loved, and I was good at it. And I, I was the only one in my family. I was always like, was I adopted? Cause none of you can fucking play sports. Like <laughs> none of you, like they don't eat well. They don't exercise. My brother actually, he literally just lost 150 pounds over the last like year or two. Like amazing. He did a complete 180, but for the, my entire family is not the picture of health or movement or exercise, but I fell in love with it. And so I started wrestling and I kept doing it and I was very good at it. And so by the time I got to high school, I had been wrestling for, I don't know, four years already. And I beat a junior out for the varsity spot when I was a freshman. And, um, I, I was good from a technique perspective and an endurance perspective, but as a freshman competing on varsity, I was going up against mainly juniors and seniors who were, I was 14, they were 16, 17, 18. So my strength wasn't where it needed to be. So I, I lived in a suburb outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and I, I found a, a gym near me a couple towns over in a town called Newton. And I said, I wrote them an email. I said, listen, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll, I'll wash your mats. I'll do anything. Just I'll do it for free. I just want to come and learn from you. And I was really lucky because number one, they were very science-based. And number two is they took me under their wing. And so from 14 years old, I worked in this very science-based gym with some incredible coaches and from that point on, I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. Like, this is what I want to do. And my family was not happy about that. <laughs> they were like, no, no, you're not gonna be a personal trainer. You're going to go to, you're going to be a doctor. You're gonna be a lawyer, you're like whatever. And I was, I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. Like, that's all I want to do. And you know, now they're like, now it's funny because I just published a book and they're all like, what the fuck? Like the one, the one of us who like, who like wasn't good at school, like what didn't become a doctor? Like, oh, how is he the only one who could publish a book? I do have one of my cousins. He's like a, a professor of Native American history at George Washington University, and he's published many books. But they're like, how the fuck did this one publish a book? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> And it goes to show what happens when you follow your own path, right? And find hundred percent. Do it as long as you people say, right? When you do what you love and you do it hard and you really work hard at it, like especially nowadays, it's different. If I was born fifty years earlier, I don't know if I if that would have happened or whatever. But like because so much of of what we can do now is online and we can really make a name for ourselves and just through our our phone, right? The fact that all of right. us can be talking on this call right now and we're in different places, it's like we're living in a very special time. And if you want if you want to do something, you can really do it no matter what. So question. So was that the did was that the intention when you like decided to start an Instagram page? Like were you always gonna write a book? Was that kind of your end goal or was that just no, did that just I, happen? Kind of no, so 
I started my website in 2011. Uh, I was in college and I hated it. The only reason I went to college is because my mom wanted me to. And I don't have a relationship with my dad. And my mom was like, you know, super academic family. And like, I didn't want to ruin the relationship with my mom. So I was like, oh, I'm literally only going to go to school for her. And otherwise I would have just started personal training people right away. I would have, I actually, I was, I lived in Israel for a little bit after high school. I took a year off, went to Israel and I was going to join the Israeli defense force, but my mom said she would fucking kill me. So <laughs> I came back to school. And, uh, if I didn't, if I didn't go to school, I would have went to the IDF and, and been there and just coached people after that. But, um, in school, I hated it. It was just like the worst. I was super depressed. It was like the worst mentally I've ever been. And I just started my website. I was like, you know what? I'm training, I'm coaching. I was competitively powerlifting. So like, I'm just going to make a blog and like write about what I'm doing. And for the first like year, year and a half, I only got like 20 views a day and there were 18 of them were my mom. And so like, it wasn't like, I didn't have like an audience for the, for a while. I was just like, I'm going to write about what I'm doing and try and help people and like teach them through what I'm doing. And then slowly after a couple of years, people started, you know, seeing my content and finding it on Google. And when Instagram came out, I was like, I'm not getting Instagram. This is stupid. And uh, my ex-girlfriend, girlfriend at the time, she was like, you really need to get Instagram. This is like 2014. And I was like, ah, fine. So I got it. And like, if you scroll down all the way down my Instagram, you'll see like, I put up like pictures of my dog and like, <laughs> just, like, like just stupid shit. And then I started posting fitness content and started to get a little bit of traction. But for the vast majority of it, I got like four likes seven likes and most of it was me showing off like because i was a competitive power lifter and i was very good at what i did so i was like look at how strong i am da, da, da. here's a picture of me with a six-pack i hope you like it for my ego da, da, da. <laughs> and it wasn't until i actually started posting helpful content in like 2015 that things really started to take off um but things really started to take off um when i started posting three times a day i started posting three times a day um in 2016 and in within a year of posting three times a day, I went from like 5,000 followers to like 200,000 followers, just like from posting three times a day of just helpful content. So um, I've been doing it for a long time. I really never thought I would have an online business. I just thought like I would coach people and maybe I'll have a blog and that's it. And, you know, I think it's one of the reasons I was able to succeed because for me, money wasn't the end goal. Having more followers wasn't the end goal. So if I have a post that doesn't do well, I wasn't upset by it. Like if like it was never a thing for me, it's like, yeah, cool. Like whatever. Like it's not a big deal. Whereas other people, they put all their stock in every post and their self-worth in every post. And if they don't get a client from that post or if it doesn't do really well, they quit. They think it's, it's really bad. For me, I was like, I really don't give a shit. Like I'd be very happy living in a shack near the beach, coaching a couple people a day and just chilling. Like I don't need much, you know? Yeah. That's and look what it's grown into. Yeah. I think, I honestly think that's my advantage is that I really don't, like I could lose everything and I'd be totally fine. Like I don't give a shit. So I, I, I yeah. not give a shit a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll help my business. No. <laughs> like so I still, thing, I worked hard, like posting three times a day, every day. Like a that, lot. It's a yeah, fuck ton of work. I mean, three times a week and I'm like, I'm out, dude, this isn't for me. Like it's, a, me. it's a lot, but yeah, the me. difference is <laughs> when you do it because you love it versus doing it for a response. Right. When you do it because like I just, cause like, I just enjoy it. Like I really enjoyed it. Now it's I don't true. post as much cause I don't enjoy it as much anymore. And like social media has changed. I'm like, all I see is politics and shit on there. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking see this stuff. So I'm not on there as much. But like back then I was like, I really enjoy this. So I'm going to keep doing it. But like, 
yeah like if i lost everything i'd go live on the beach oh. and i'd have beer and chill like and have a kettlebell and i'd be good <laughs> be good to go. so yeah. for me like for someone who was in a weight loss journey and was went on instagram during covid and was sort of like there's a lot of content yeah and yeah. a lot of content from people that are not certified personal trainers um and it's hard to know whose information is real whose information isn't just something they made up you know what i mean it's really a hard place to sort of figure out what information is science-based and good and whatnot and so i know at least from Mar marlene and i talked about when i found you it was it just felt really simple <laughs> like i'm like okay good. This, this seems really simple um and i'm making this really complicated because i'm paying attention to a lot of different people and then and they all have something different to say and that was the part that was hard like even like calorie counters okay they all fucking say one person says i should have 1100 one says i should have 1600 like which one should i have like yeah. you know what I mean? like it's really hard for someone especially it's super new, hard new in their journey figuring this shit out from social media oh it's it's I'm, I'm very grateful that i learned when i did because if I was at someone brand new coming into it right now, I'd be fucked. I'd be like, who do I believe? What do I think? Like people send me screenshots where I'll post about how you should eat fruit. And then the next post below me is someone with MD in their Instagram handle saying fruit's going to make you fat. I'm like, I would lose my mind if I didn't know what I know. Like I'd be like, well, that doctor is telling me I shouldn't eat fruit. So I should probably listen to the doctor. It's like, but you don't know. Like I'm thinking of one guy in particular. He has MD in his fucking handle. He's a psychologist. He was trained in psychology, not nutrition. And he says, fruit's going to make you fat. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Like, are you out of your mind? How many people do you know who got fat from eating fruit? How many people gained 50 pounds from the fucking blueberries? But they're <laughs> scaring people out of eating fruit. It's like, and then other people are like, don't eat plants because plants have toxins and defense chemicals. I'm like, do you really think if plants were bad for us, we would be alive? Like, not to mention every well-performed long-duration study shows that people who eat plants on a regular basis live longer. Like, the fuck is wrong with people? It's insane. It's insane. There's definitely a lot of misinformation out there. And I know for me, um, I've been maintaining my weight loss for going on four years now. Um, That's and, awesome. And and I was, I'm someone, thank you. I'm, I'm someone who struggled with my weight since I was a kid. You know, I've been overweight my whole life. And uh, what was always so daunting to me was all of the conflicting information, right? And just, it was just always so overwhelming. And it wasn't until everything was really simplified for me, um, finding accounts like yours and other people who promoted this sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Um, so thank you. I appreciate that so much yeah. because um, you know, we so wouldn't glad. be here if it wasn't for that and for people like you. Um, who aren't just spewing out bullshit. And one of the things for me that still to this day is a huge staple in my journey and being able to maintain my weight loss is convenient food. And that is something I constantly see, see demonized all the time. Um, and I just wanted to kind of hear what you have to say about convenience foods, specifically for me, it's salad kits. I buy salad oh. kits all the freaking time. They're a lifesaver. They're a time saver. Um, and it's funny because one of the fitness influencers I follow was talking about salad kits and how they have as much fat in them as a Big Mac. 
Oh my God. And I was like, why would you scare people away from eating salads in an easy way? Like, yeah. First of all, unfollow that person. Like, why, <laughs> why, why are you following them? Like, what is, what is, like, if I was following, I would unfollow them immediately. I, if I saw that shit, it's like, oh my God, I would lose my mind. Um, I love salad kits. If you look in my fridge, I've got a, an entire case full of salad kits. Um, I like the the Asian one is my favorite. My wife laughs. She's like, why is this one your favorite? It's like that it has those crunchy wontons. Those are the <laughs> fucking best. They're so good. So I the Asian one, um, that's my favorite. But I have, I have all of them. I have them all, like every day. I usually have one, if not two. Mm-hmm. And what she did with that is she tried to make this fear-mongering approach. Like, well, it has a, as much fat as a big mac it's like well what else has as much fat as a fucking i don't know you could say an avocado has more fat than a big mac like that's a stupid fucking thing to say it's like you're you're using certain words in a way to try and scare people great so you should you not have avocado because it has fats in it like what the hell what are you saying um should you not have salmon because it's got as much fat as a big mac in it like we know that salmon is among the healthiest things that you can have we often supplement with fish oil for a number of reasons it's like fat isn't bad number one not to mention cool it's like well how about how much is that big mac going to fill you up versus that entire bag of salad like how about how many total calories it has as well as how much it's going to fill you up in overall nutrient composition it's like what a stupid ridiculous uh reductionist way to look at something like that like i love salad kits um my wife she makes amazing salads but since she you know pushed a child out of her vagina recently <laughs> it's like She's it's been very me. difficult for her to do that so it's like cool i'll just have the salad kits and it's great so it's like if it's convenient <laughs> who cares? Some people are so obnoxious. Like I want to slap that person. I don't even know who it is, but they need to get slapped. <laughs> who the fuck? Like, God damn. Who is saying that? Like, I don't, crap. It's, yeah, but, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But when you're, when you're someone who is really desperate um, to lose weight and you hear things like that all the time, you know, whether it's salad kits, whether it's whatever, like, yeah. So many people say, Oh, packaged food is terrible for you. You know, it, it's just all these general terms so yeah. um like in frozen fruits and vegetables i live yeah. in frozen vegetables because or canned vegetables yeah. my stuff is bad like if i don't use it i'm yeah containers don't get me wrong i love fresh like fruits and vegetables but i have thrown out so much like asparagus and spinach and whatnot because if i don't get to it i don't get to it so having canned stuff or frozen stuff it's still good for you and it's if- easier and you don't waste money if you lived in a tiny little village in Spain where someone was selling fresh vegetables a two-minute walk from your house, cool. Then get those fresh vegetables because you can go every day and you know you can buy them and get as much as you need for that one meal. But when we live in a culture like we live in where odds are you go to the grocery store once or twice a week or so when you get in bulk items – it's not going to last if you only have fresh vegetables. And if you are lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to go to the grocery store every day and only like get the amount that you need for that day, like that is not most people like not to, not to mention frozen vegetables actually have more nutrients than fresh vegetables. Cause as soon as they're taken, as soon as they're picked, they're flash frozen. So they have actually, they hold on to more nutrients than the fresh vegetables. Cause by the time those get to the grocery store, they've lost a fair amount of nutrition, but frankly, it does doesn't fucking matter. It's minuscule. It doesn't make a big difference as long as you're eating your damn vegetables. If you're taking your vegetables and like putting it into like a fondue of cheese every night, 
that's one thing. But if you're just <laughs> eating your fucking vegetables, like I don't care, canned, frozen, fresh, eat them. I don't care. And if you want the fondue, go for it. But just make sure you're not having that every time you have vegetables. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I do um, love a good fondue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a giant fondue kit, like, sitting in, well, she knows I have a room that looks like it's a shelf from the Goodwill. I have so many kitchen gadgets. <laughs> like, She's the kitchen gadget queen. I'm, like, the freak about the kitchen gadget. Okay, so question. So, like, I want to talk about your book a little bit, because I feel like you take everything and sum it all up. And this is, we're not recording this, by the way, like on video. So people, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I haven't. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. So I think, like, I've watched your content. I've actually been in your inner circle. Let's go. So we have support, I've supported the Jordan Science mission and (laughs) thank you, Felicia. Thank Um, you. But I think, and and the biggest thing is that I just kind of want you to give some basic advice, like for someone starting out, like when you talk about, like, calories so calories figuring out how you're going to do your diet and if it is calories if that's how people are going to do it which I think a lot of people do like what like the way you have people figured out is pretty simple and basic and I just kind of wanted to ask about that because please, like please do. really there's such a range so mm-hmm. I just kind of want to know like where'd you come up with that and why is your way right like- so, so here's the thing so I'll, I'll start by saying like my way isn't right right? Like I'm not like my way isn't the right way. And I actually even said this in the book. I was like, listen, there are a bunch of different calorie calculators. Like honestly, do do any of them. They're all fine. Um, the biggest thing is you have to find the one that's going to be the most sustainable. Now I know a lot of calorie calculators, like you go to my fitness pal, for example, oftentimes they'll give you like, no matter what, as long as you're a woman, it'll give you 1200 calories. It's oh, like, well, super low. what the fuck is that? Like, Yes, you're in a calorie deficit, but that's such such a large deficit for most women, not all women, but for most people, it's such a large deficit that it will be unsustainable, right? And so if you look at the consistency, uh, not the consistency, the food pyramid that we put in the book, the base of the food pyramid, it wasn't protein, it wasn't carbs, it wasn't fast, it was it was consistency. It was, no, it was foods you enjoy. That's right. what the, yeah. the, the food, foods you enjoy was the base. You have to be able to enjoy it. And then along the, the side of it was consistency. You need to be able to stay consistent. If you can't include your favorite foods and if you can't stay consistent with all of it, none of it's going to work. So um, I know other calorie calculators go the other direction and they've sort of um, overcorrected where it's like such a small calorie deficit where it's like it'll be like a, a hundred calorie deficit a day where it's like, that's fine, but it's like, I don't know what three quarters of an Oreo is going to put you over. It's like, that's a little bit, it's a little bit too close for me. And not to mention, we could look into the psychology of people are really driven by results. So I want enough of a calorie deficit that you're actually going to be able to see results on a week to week basis, but not so much that you can't sustain it or enjoy it. And so I, that's where I found my equation tends to work the best with that, but also I like to have a range. So if you take your gold body weight, multiply it by 12. So for example, if your gold body weight is 150 pounds, it has to be in pounds, not in kilograms. So if it is in kilograms, just convert to pounds, but 150 pounds multiplied by 12, is 1800 calories. So actually, coincidentally, that's what my, uh, I'm in a mini cut right now. So I'm my goal weight is 150. So like 1800, but my range is between 1800 to 2000. So like, I know, I know goal weight by 12 will be a deficit. So I know for a fact, so I just between 1800 to 2000 calories a day, 
That's my range. I don't just say you have to hit this exact number because that can really fuck with people's heads. It's like, oh my God, I had 1,804 calories. Yeah, I ruined right. my day. It's like, relax. It's like a two, like, and I used to have a 100 calorie range. And I felt like that was, again, like three quarters of an Oreo can put you over. Even like a large apple can put you over. I was like, 200 calorie range is plenty. And it's enough to where it's like, you're still in a deficit you're fine. And so that's, that's how I came up with that. And that's where I find most people have the best success where they have the good balance of consistent results without over restriction. So I have a question that's probably about as basic as it gets, but what the fuck is a calorie? Because it's a word that Mm. we hear all the time, but if we're being honest, like we're not really taught the basics of nutrition growing up, right? Most Mm -hmm. of us. Um, So what exactly is a calorie? It's a great question. It's one of those things where uh, I will ask that question to people who are super high level in this nutrition field, and they won't know how to answer it. They don't know how to answer because they'll say they'll say like you know someone wrote wrote a book called "Good Calories, Bad Calories." Fucking this guy is a piece of shit. I don't like this guy at all. But uh, just and there are there's a lot of reasons. But as actually as a a brief aside, the guy who wrote that book, uh, he was doing a public debate with someone who had different views like he the guy who wrote that book is like very anti-calories he thinks there's good calories and bad calories and then there's someone who i know and i love a good friend and mentor of mine alan aragon who uh is like the pioneer behind a lot of what i do and uh and alan asked him in front in this debate in front of an entire room of people but the guy who wrote this book made sure this debate would not be be recorded that was the stipulation he's like this cannot be recorded Mm. and he said alan said he was like if a study comes out because this guy's, uh, he was at this time he was conducting a study, which obviously is an inherent bias within the study. But he's like, if your study comes out and proves you wrong, will you go back on everything you've said? And he said, no, absolutely not. Because his entire career has been built on this idea of like good calories and bad calories. He said he's had seven figure book deals based around this stuff. It's like if he goes back on it, he, in his mind, he feels like he would ruin his career. I actually think it would make his career better because he would gain so much respect from people right. and i think you know, like people would trust him more but he said no I, I would not go back on that even if my own study proves me wrong which i'm like well that's that's a big fucking problem it, like why even bother doing the study if you know what you're going to believe anyway but general anyway a lot of people think there's good calories and bad calories there is no such thing as a good calorie and a bad calorie it does not exist a calorie is simply a unit of measurement that's all it is it tells you how much energy is in a food period, end of story. It's it's an indicator. It's an indicator of how much energy is in that food in the same way that a mile is just, it tells you like the length of a certain distance, right? Not a a good mile mile or a bad mile. (laughs) There's not a long mile or a short mile. mile. There's just a mile. Right? It's like, no, a mile is a mile. It's like a mile going uphill might feel longer than a mile going downhill, but you still ran a mile. A mile on sand is different than a, is is a different texture and different composition than the mile in the forest, but the distance is still a mile. It's a unit of measurement. Same thing with calories. So, in terms of food, a hundred calories in an apple is the same exact thing as a hundred calories in a donut because all it's showing you is that how many calories are in that food. Now, a hundred calories in an apple, you're going to have more micronutrients. You're going to have more fiber. It's probably going to fill you up more because you're going to have a bigger amount of food. But it's the 100 calories of donut might literally just be like uh, two or three bites of a donut. Actually, most donuts, they're more, they're, we can eat more than we think. Like muffins have way more calories than donuts have. Like uh, a French crollered donut is only like 180 calories, 200 calories. It's not that bad. Anyway, um, 
you could eat a way bigger amount of an apple than you could for a donut for the equal amount of calories. No one in their right mind is saying they have the exact same nutritional value and nutritional composition, but the calories, how much energy is in the food, that's it, it's the same thing. A hundred calories is a hundred calories. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Okay, so that leads me into macro. So that's like macro. That's the macro. So when you have people calorie count, I'm curious why you don't have people count macros. That seems to be the big thing. Yeah. So a lot of what I do stemmed from me being bad in school, right? And so I was awful at math. I am I am terrible at math. I'm I'm really truly remarkably awful. Like it's, I'm so bad with math. Like if you heard me try and do simple math, you'd be like, holy shit. Like, and it's funny because I remember my sixth grade assistant teacher, Mrs. Burkle. I'll never forget this. She would always be like, Jordan, you're not going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. And now I just want to find her one day and just be like, yes, I am. I am. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> so when I first got into fitness, like everyone was doing macros. It's funny. Like, cause like I hear people now be like, yeah, everyone's doing macros. Like when I first got into this shit in like 2005, it was the same thing. It was just in like different forums online. It's macros, macros, macros. And uh, so I started doing it. And I was like, but it was so many numbers to keep track of. I had to keep track of my fats and keep track of my carbs, keep track of my protein, keep track of my calories. Sometimes they wouldn't all add up the same way they were supposed to add up. Like, and <laughs> it was so much to keep track of. I was like, I was stressing myself out. And so I figured out through actually the guy I mentioned earlier, Alan Aragon, I was like, man, I really just need to keep track of my calories and protein. As long as my calories and protein are in check, I'm good. Like I don't need to worry about the minutia of carbs and fats. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to track my calories. I'm going to hit my protein and see what happens and got the exact same results in a far less stressful environment. And I'm thinking, man, we've got busy moms and dads. We've got people working crazy jobs. We've got people who are waking up early, going to bed late, who have so much other shit to do. And we're trying to help them figure out how to fit fitness into their life, not their life into fitness, but we're trying to tell them they need to be tracking every fucking macro. Like they, they don't have time for this. And like, I'm bad at math. What if someone else is bad at math and they have all this stuff going on? It's like, you know what? Screw it. One, one to two numbers. It's all you need to think about. And it's just, it's way more sustainable. And for the people who are maybe super type A and they're really good with numbers and they like doing that stuff, like I make fun of it. My buddy, Mike is this person, the guy who I wrote the book with, Mike Vacanti, like he's a numbers guy. So it's nice to have both options in there, but like he tracks his macros every day, no problem. He was also, before he was a coach, he was in finance and accounting and he's just a numbers guy. They just make sense to him. We joke because to, to Mike, numbers just make sense to him. They don't make sense to me. To me, people make sense, like human behavior, speech. Like I can interact with people and it just makes sense to me. For him, no, like he doesn't understand as much human interaction. Like it's it's harder for him to get that. So we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but for, if you're the kind of person that loves numbers and like you're really good with them and you enjoy them, cool, track all the fucking macros. I don't care, like go for it. For me, like absolutely not. It's just, it's more stressful and it's not worth it. That's yeah. good. So you said protein. So I saw you post something kind of not that long ago about how you were pulling back a little bit on your protein that it felt like, some of the things say I need a lot of protein. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of protein, which I would have to for sure supplement every day, probably mm -hmm. something like a shake or protein powder or something to get to that number. So I'm curious yeah. what, what, like, why so, you mean by so, that? <laughs> so there's, it's, we have to look at the bodybuilding world versus like the, what generally you want, which is more lifestyle. Right. And so the bodybuilding world has massively 
overcorrected and overprescribed protein, like massively. And I think we're going to see real issues with this over the next 10 to 30 to 50 years of people who just massively overdid their protein intake. I mean, if we look at the longest living populations in the world, it's not a protein heavy diet. They're not the, the longest living populations in the world are actually much more like carb focused with fats and like smaller amounts of protein. So for me, that's immediately very interesting. It's like, why are the longest living populations not so focused on protein? Um, now, that doesn't mean protein is bad. And I still think the vast majority of people under eat protein, but for people like us who are in the fitness industry and people who are like really interested in our health, I think it's so easy to immediately go the other direction and like massively overdo protein. I remember when I hired my first nutrition coach in 2009, he had me eating 210 grams of protein a day and I weighed 125 pounds. I was, and that's why it was like, it was insane. Like such a huge percentage of my, of my macronutrient makeup was protein. It was super hard for me to do. Um, it was a not enjoyable diet at all. I got shredded to bits, but I also got, had developed a real disordered relationship with food. It was like, it was not good at all. Um, so, so much of what I'm focused on now is longevity and health and like what will allow me to live longer and in a more like comfortable and healthy way. And, and, and like, no one feels good when you eat so much protein. Like you've heard, we've all heard like the meat sweats term and like <laughs> just eat a lot. Like you feel really like heavy and gross. Yeah. And like, yeah. oftentimes like, you know, I've been, uh, I've been speaking with um, a fair amount of like colon health practitioners and, and doctors in that field around like what the rising issues are among colon cancer. And they think that there's no question, a super high red meat diet is, is severely contributing to that as well. And lack of fiber on top of that. So I used to recommend one gram per pound of gold body weight, which is, I did that for two reasons. One is because that's what I thought you needed Two, It's, it's because um, it's easy. It's an easy number. One times gold body weight is very easy. You just like if 150 is your gold body weight, then you have 150 grams and the math. So, so much of what I struggled with is plays a part in how I recommended things, uh, and still do. But as more research came out, it, I realized it's not one, it's actually 0. 0.7, 0. 0.7 grams times your gold body weight. And a gold body weight is essentially your lean body mass. Um, and so I initially didn't recommend 0. 0.7 because I was like, well, if I saw 0. 0.7, I would ignore it because a decimal point, like, fuck that. I don't, decimals, I don't do well. Like I'm seriously like math is I will avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. So, but once I was like, you know what, it's really not that difficult. So then I started recommending 0.7 and just really emphasizing it's because I want you to get more car. Like I want more carbs. I want more fiber. I want more focus on high quality fats. Like I would rather you reduce your protein a little bit just so that you can, uh, you can live a healthier lifestyle and feel more comfortable. And when I tell you like myself and so many people have been like, I feel less bloated. I have more energy. My poops are better. Like poop is I think an under discussed topic. I think people need to talk about their poops more. And like, I I've, you would not believe how strongly I've considered posting pictures of my poop on social media. <laughs> I know for a fact, I would probably get banned immediately, but like, I'm so interested in poop now and like the colors of it and the texture and what it tells you about your health. And you might think oh, I'm wow. crazy. It but like me a lot about your a health. ton. Yeah. It's really it's, weird and in, it's interesting though. It's super. And I literally, so I wanted to get like, uh, I wanted to have like a, like all this stuff checked out. So I literally pooped in a basket and sent it into a doctor. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that before. Like I had like a colon health doctor that I reached out to and, and they sent me this whole kit 
it's unbelievable that what they can do with science. Oh, like swear they so. sent me a kit where they have, they're like, give me this basket. I poop in a basket. I take it out. And they sent me these vials that I'm supposed to like take this spoon. They send me and it put different pieces of my poop in there from the outside to the inside. Duh, duh. And like, they analyzed my poop quality. It was crazy, but they can tell so much about your health from that. And it was so crazy because once I increased my fiber, decreased my protein, my poop quality improved my like, and I bet you did not think I'd be talking so much about poop on this podcast. No, but <laughs> it's interesting though, because I, like, I listened to a podcast that talked about, poop. she was like an internal medicine person yes. and talked about if your poop's like this, you're deficient in that, it, mm-hmm. like probiotic versus prebiotic, all of that stuff. And it was all around your poop. That's how she kind of yeah. started to determining what you needed was and I was, I was talking to this doctor because we had an analysis after, and I was telling him how much my my frequency and, and had improved because I was having issues with frequency when my protein was higher. And he explained constipation in a way I'd never heard it explained before. Uh, he said, most people think of constipation as simply like you have trouble pooping. He's like, and that is one way of constipation. But he's like, there's another way that's also very common where when you poop, you actually don't get all of it out at one time. So maybe you get like 80% of it out, but leave 20% in. And over the course of a week, you're like, you do pooping for over the course of a week, like you end up having a ton of extra poop inside of you that you haven't gotten out yet, which can then lead to like diarrhea and stomach issues and bloating and all of that. It's like, by increasing my fiber, decreasing my protein, I was able to get more out in that in each individual poop. So I was wasn't struggling with that anymore. And I was like, man, that's so interesting and in how much better I feel. Like it's really, it's I love this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> it was very hey, interesting. Gut, gut health is extremely important. This is something we've talked about on the show. So I'm actually super glad that you're talking about your poop. Yeah, me great. too. <laughs> so Mar- Marlena had kind of a fun little. Yeah, well, actually, first, first, I wanted to actually, you mentioned um, that at one point in time, the things that you were doing kind of like messed up your relationship with food, Mm. which tends to be usually the number one issue for people why they can't sustainably lose weight and keep it off. Right. Um, so I'm just interested, like, what is your past experience with like food fear and food issues? Yeah. So there's a lot with this. I actually did a whole Ted talk on this. Um, so it started from wrestling and as much as wrestling positively contributed to my life, like it also was the reason why I developed anorexia and, uh, binge eating issues and all of that. Because, um, when I went in my freshman year and I made varsity, I had to cut weight. So I was again, small kid, but my freshman year, I had to cut from 112 to 103 pounds every week. Wow. So every week I was cutting like that amount of weight and essentially like what you learn, especially as a weight controlled athlete is how to manipulate your weight through dehydration, as opposed to actual like fat, fat loss and muscle gain. So what they would teach us to do these coaches and and higher like upperclassmen would teach you to do is learn how to dehydrate yourself, starve yourself for a couple of days, easily lose like 10, 12 pounds of water without like, without this is in high school. Yeah, yeah, in high, freshman year of high school. This is this is um, normal for uh, wrestling. Okay, that is not. This is super normal for wrestling. Normal. It's, just it's awful. It's terrible. My, my nephew is a wrestler, so I'm I'm from yeah. It's it's awful. It's yeah, really really bad. Horrible. Like the shit that I did in order, like made myself throw up. Uh, wouldn't eat for days at a time. Would it work out for? I mean, there. I'll never forget one day. Um, I was sick. And so I, it was in the middle of the season and I had, I got really, really sick, just like, um, 
head cold type sick, but I was really sick. So I was staying home from school. So I didn't, I couldn't make the way in. So I wasn't going to be able to wrestle. And, um, the junior who I had beat for the varsity spot, he was like on backup. So he was supposed to go in, but he didn't make weight. So then my coach and like, I had a real piece of shit coach. Um, he texted me and he was like, you've got to come into school and you've got to wrestle. Cause Evan didn't make weight. And I was like, I'm really sick. Like, and I haven't cut weight. Like I can't do it. He's like, you got to get it. You're on varsity. You have to come in. So I'm super sick. I, and I get to school, I check in and then I skip all of my, cause if I don't check in, then I can't compete. Right. So if I don't check in and go to like, actually like say I'm here, then I can't compete that day. So I check in, but then I, I decide I'm going to skip every class. I get sweatshirts, sweatpants, all this stuff. And we have a three-story school. I spend the entire day running up and down the staircase just so I can sweat and get all the water out. And so I made weight and I, made, I lost all the weight while I was like super sick. And, uh, and I'll never forget as I'm war- finally, you know, I'm warming up for the wrestling match, super dehydrated and my calf starts cramping. And it's just like, it's like about to go. Like, I, like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a calf cramp, but like, you can tell, like, if you move it a little bit, it's going to like start going crazy. And I told my coaches before I get on the mat and I was like, my calf is like, it's like, it's about to go. And he looks at me, he's like, well, you better win quickly. And, uh, and that's it. Like, it was just, and I'm, it was just so crazy thinking back. Like I couldn't imagine saying this to anybody, never mind like a 14 year old kid as like an adult. Um, and I went out and I won the match in like 37 seconds. So like, that's a happy ending to that story, but like just crazy. Like, yeah. And, but then, then what do I do? What do you do after you, you, you spend so much time, like two, three days in a row, literally not eating over exercising, dehydrating yourself, you binge, mm-hmm. you binge eat. And so it is, it created this binge eating disorder where I would not eat and then I would overeat. And the, the interesting aspect about from a wrestling perspective is we do it as a team. Like everyone suffers together. And this is where, like, this is real where where real bonds are made. Like, even like the armed forces and the Marines and all that. Like, one of the ways you create a uh, a bond is through suffering together. And that's even where, like, even now, like, so many people who've who've lost weight, you've lost a lot of weight. You find someone else who's also lost a lot of weight. You have an immediate bond with them because you've struggled together, even if it wasn't done at the same time. Right. So we're all doing it together, and we're all high school boys, and we're all like wearing this as a badge of honor. And we're all starving ourselves, over-exercising, dehydrating ourselves, and then binge eating together. And so we think it's normal. And we think like, this is what you've got to do. And like teachers in school were were reporting it. And they like, I would be in class with a a water bottle, spitting in the water bottle, like just spitting just to, to get all the water out of me, like to dehydrate myself more and more and more. And like, they were reporting it, but it's like, if, if a kid's going to do something, a kid's going to do it. Like you, the, that's the scary part. I think about being a parent is like, you could be the best in the world, but if your kid decides they're going to do something, there's only so much you can do aside from like tying them to a chair, you know? <laughs> um, so that doing that for four years straight, <laughs> every wrestling season. And then in the off season, being worried about my weight constantly. Cause like, I know what weight I want to wrestle at next year. So essentially being overly uh, concerned about my weight having these deadlines by which I had to make these certain weights being just like, like, and to be fair, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me because now I know how the weight works so well, how the scale works and it's helped me educate people on scale fluctuations and how this works. Like all the knowledge I have around the scale is because of me learning how to manipulate the scale when I was younger. Um, but yeah, that 
absolutely devastated my relationship with the Buddha. I remember going, my, my whole Ted talk started off with this story about how, um, I wanted to go on a date with this girl. I had a crush on since middle school, took her on a date and, uh, and she, and we went to friendly's ice cream and she got ice cream and the waiter asked me what I wanted. I said, I'm not hungry. And, and she was like, we came to get ice cream together. And I was like, yeah, and I'm good. But I was petrified that the ice cream was going to make me fat. Like I was petrified that eating this ice cream was going to make me fat. So needless to say, that was our first and our last date because she was the only one eating fucking ice cream and I wasn't going to have, she even offered me, she's like, well, at least have a bite. And I was like, no, no, no. Cause I thought one bite of her black raspberry ice cream was going to make me fat. And so eventually like I learned over time that like, you know, that's not the case, but yeah, I struggled for about six or seven years with real disordered eating. It was bad, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where anytime someone goes through a struggle and comes out the other side, they like never regret it because they're like, it's made me who I am today. It's made me stronger for that. So I very much appreciate it. I don't want anyone else to go through it, but I de- definitely appreciate what it did for me and what it has done for you me. You can relate to people that have those struggles, which I think yeah. is really important too. And yeah, exactly. Doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, going, so going through all of that, um, like, have you seen any change in the wrestling community with that type of culture? Or do you think it'll just always kind of be that way because of the nature of the sport? No matter how many rules they put in place, there will always be ways around it. I mean, for example, um, we, we were supposed to have a doctor like approve the weight that we would wrestle at. I'll, I'll never forget this. So you'll love the story. So my sophomore year, uh, my coach wanted me to wrestle at 103 pounds again but I had increased gained weight. Like I'm a growing kid. Right. And so I, so I, I was already cutting from 112 to 103. I was up to about like 120 and he still wanted me to cut to 103 pounds. So the, a doctor is supposed to come in by Massachusetts state standards. A doctor had to come in and they had to look at you and weigh you at the beginning of the season and tell you what was an appropriate amount of weight for you to cut. And so the next weight up from 103 was 112. So even though 120 to 112 is still a pretty big cut, he wanted me to go from 120 to 103. Now, the doctor was the father of another wrestler on the team. (laughs) And that father wanted his son to wrestle varsity. So what the coach did is as every kid stepped on the scale, the coach would say he's going to wrestle at this weight. And the doctor would sign off on it on every single one because the doc he's a fucking doctor and he knew it was right but he wanted his son to wrestle varsity and he wanted to be on the good side of the coach so i got signed off at 103 for my sophomore year and i was really pissed i was like damn it like i didn't want to get signed off on that i go home my mom says what are you going to wrestle at and i said 103 she lost her shit this is in the middle of a snowstorm in massachusetts i get home at like seven eight o'clock at night it's dark out She's like, get in the car. She knows who the doctor is. We drive to his house. We drive to the doctor's house with a slip of paper. And she knocks on his door at like 8 p.m. on a freezing cold. <laughs> and she's like, you're going to change this. And he was like, what? She's like, this is completely inappropriate. You're going to change this. So then, you know, he cha- he's not going to argue with my fucking raging mom. <laughs> so he changed it. And my wrestling coach was pissed. They hated me from then on. They didn't want me to wrestle varsity anymore. But the cool thing about wrestling is um, it's whoever's best. And they decide whoever's best by like you compete against the other people on your team to see who's going to win. And so it's fun. Like they would always try and get the other kids to beat me. They would try and coach them. They'd bring them to the side, like in these wrestle offs. And I would still win every time. So I I would then wrestle varsity at 112. But it's like 
man, some of these like high school politics and bullshit that they try and do, it, it was, it was insane, but I was very lucky that I was, I was a good wrestler. And, um, I was also very lucky and then very lucky that I have a strong mom behind me that she, you know, cause who knows what would have happened if I still had to cut to one Oh three that year, you know, like wrestlers die from doing that shit. Like mm-hmm. it's not uncommon to hear stories where a wrestler will die from over dehydration and all that. And it's a big deal I'm for a week. three. I mean, that's just like, yeah. From 120 at, at 15 years old. Like, and I wasn't fat. Like I didn't have <laughs> a lot to lose. Like it was like, I was pretty skinny already. I was going to lose a significant amount of water every, every week in order to make that weight. It would have been crazy. Crazy. That's crazy. Well, shout out to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like kind of lady. Yeah. She's a bad. She's. I call her. She gets. She gets bad. I'm like, you're a bad bitch. (laughs) You love the bad. How much I swear. (laughs) All right. So we wanted to play just a a little game with you, or it's not really a game, but we're gonna call it. Science says we want to give you excuses. Okay. okay, we want to give you the all the excuses that people like to give, and we want to know. I love what that. To say to those excuses, okay. This is a great idea. A really good idea. Cool. Yes. Uh, so Jordan, I don't really have time to work out. I don't have time to cook. I just can't do it. I don't have time. You know, this is actually a really tough one. You know, because like some people really have very minimal time. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has like time than me. Okay. Like, I hate when people say we all have the same 24 hours in a day, like, cause that's some bullshit. We don't all have the same. We all, we all have 24 hours, but it's not the same 24 hours. Um, especially, you know, growing up, my mom was a single mom, two kids. She was working full time. It's like, no, she did not have the same 24 hours as, as I have right now in my life. Um, so with, with that discussion, with that excuse, I, I usually say, listen, I know your time is crazy. The good news is you don't need to spend two hours in the gym every day. It's like, let's start with the most important thing, which is just walking, right? So even it doesn't even have to be a single workout session or walking session. It could just be throughout the day. Here's the number I want you to hit. Because again, going back to the longest living populations in the world, it's walking. It's like, it's not, it's not the people who do high intensity interval training. It's like, I love powerlifting and I love lifting heavy but they're not the longest living people in the world at all. Like they, they actually have some real issues and it could be due to drugs and anabolics, but either way, the longest living populations, they just walk the most. That's mm-hmm. it. So if I can get you to walk more, get it, it's cliche, get up from your desks, park further away. Just like for me, what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll, anytime I do a phone call, I'm on my walking pad or I'm like walking around my apartment, even during COVID in like on a five, in a 500 square foot apartment, I was walking around my apartment, getting 10,000 steps in and 10,000 steps. Isn't a magic number. You don't have to hit 10,000. I think an ultimate goal would be a minimum of 7,500, but if you're getting 800 steps a day now, go for 900 steps. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just do that. And then from 900, go to a thousand slowly increase. And that these are things you can do just on a day-to-day basis. Even like right now, sometimes when I'm with my, 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 my baby daughter, I'll just pick her up and I'll walk around. Like rather than just lying down, like I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm on minimal sleep, but I'll just pick her up and walk and just, that's it. And that's fine. It's like, just walk. People think it doesn't count as exercise. It's bullshit. If there's one thing you could do, if there's, if I could only do one exercise for the rest of my life, which I don't, I can do many more than that. But if I could only pick one for everybody, it would be walking. Just get your steps in. Yes. Walking is magical. I'll say walking changed my life um, from being an overweight person who struggled with binge eating um, and did not exercise. Like I was literally the girl who got out of gym class every single time <laughs> yeah. running the mile 
I started my fitness journey by making a promise to myself to walk one lap around the block. That's it. And that was five years ago. And now I go to the gym, you know, five days a week because I love doing it. I love that. Have a completely different life now. And I still love walking and I still walk daily. Yes. Um, And it is fucking awesome. It is. It's so underrated. So it is. It blows me away when, when I see people you doctors, people with an MD in their Instagram bio saying walking doesn't count as exercise. I'm like, you oh, piece of oh, shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, you're a real piece of shit because that's actually going to kill people. Mm-hmm. That's like, what are they going to do instead? Just sit on the couch because they can't do a hit workout. Like you are actively discouraging movement like that. I'm not a hateful person, but that person's a real fucking piece of shit. Like oh. people say walking doesn't count. Like, get the, like, get out of here. Get the fuck out. I, that pisses me off. My yeah. mom's diabetic. She has type one diabetes. She's 70. And I was telling Marlena, she went to walk the El Camino in Spain. She's there right now. So she had to walk. I mean, before, cause it's a 55 mile walk. So she just started walking Wow. every single day and she lost like 10 pounds. Didn't Holy change. Shit. And all her numbers are down from her diabetes. She's on like yes. one medication. So, and she, so it wasn't anything. That's, that's what it amazing. was walking. So it, it is huge. I, I'll never forget studying in, in college. Like I didn't like school, but there was a couple teachers. I liked a couple lessons. I liked looking at a cellular level. What happens to the body just from 20 minutes of walking is insane. Like on a cellular level, just from 20 minutes of walking. And I always said, like, I wish like we could like, I need to see if I can like get a video of this somewhere. The video that I saw, like if, if everybody saw what happens on a cellular level, from 20 minutes of walking everyone would be doing it like everybody like oh well, maybe not because they have a skull and crossbones on on boxes of cigarettes and people still do that shit so who knows but like, <laughs> they'd be more likely to do it <laughs> okay next next one okay so i've been doing everything right i'm working out i've been eating right for like a month and i haven't lost any weight yeah i mean um you probably haven't been doing everything right number one <laughs> <laughs> You probably haven't been doing everything right. And you're probably also, um, it depends. Like if I'm talking with someone here who like has five pounds to lose, maybe like a five foot two woman who's 125 pounds, that's very different than talking to like a five foot two woman who's 300 pounds, right? Because a five foot two woman at 125 pounds, like she might not lose weight every month if, if on a sustainable program, like it literally might be every other month at that point, like it's very difficult, um, because they're already super lean. But if you have someone who has a lot more body fat, like if, if you're someone who has a lot more body fat to lose and it's been a month and you think you're doing everything right, you're not doing everything right. Like, like period, like you're doing something wrong, probably definitely with your nutrition, <laughs> like with it, that's it. Like, I don't care how much cardio you're doing. I don't care what you're doing for your workouts. I don't care what supplements you're taking. If you have a fair amount of body fat to lose and it's taken you and it's been a month and you haven't lost any weight, you're not doing everything right. Or the other one, and this is also very common, they might lose weight and then they step on the scale and one day it spikes up back to where it started. And they think that, that it's not working because they haven't in their mind, they're like, well, now it's back to where I started today. So I'm not losing any weight. It's like, no, but you lost two pounds. Like we look at the trend, you lost two pounds, but today you had a spike up. I don't know. Maybe it's your menstrual cycle. Maybe you had more carbs yesterday. Maybe you lifted heavy yesterday, whatever it is. Like that scale fluctuation doesn't mean that you haven't lost weight. It doesn't mean it's not working. It just means that you had a scale fluctuation. So those are the two main things that I would say. And I did your calendar thing. So that was because I had that same sort of like 
I had a little like I was not being as consistent as I thought that I was. That's like, a fact. I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> especially when you start a program, I think you're you you're like you get really sort of focused and you think you're doing everything right, but it didn't include you know the birthday party that I went to on Tuesday and the office party lunch that I went on Wednesday and yes just sort of so I did your little thingy the calendar I was like okay I'm more <laughs> 60, 40 like not yeah. 20 so that was kind of I hear that a lot from people that I'm working out and I'm eating right and I haven't lost any weight it doesn't work you yeah. know what I mean kind of a thing so yeah it's exactly that's why I love the consistency calendar because it's like if you figure out cool I was consistent 16 days this whole month it's like all right cool so that's literally like i don't know about 50 percent like 55 percent consistent that's an f in school you get a 55 you just failed that test why the fuck would you expect to get and be an honor student when you failed like that's 60 percent. that's a d minus like congrats that's awful 70 percent c minus you'll get progress like you'll get into school that's fine but like don't expect to have a 70 percent compared to a 95% and expect the same results. Like you've got a different grade. All right. Here's my excuse. Um, you know, I was doing so well until insert existential crisis. Mm. It really does depend on the existential crisis, right? In terms sure. of like, um, okay. well, the ones we normally hear are like uh, really more like, Oh, until I moved or until I started oh, a yeah. job just normal life changes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which the thing is, like an existential crisis. I feel like for some people, <laughs> I was gonna say because some people like an existential crisis is like, uh, I don't know, they lost a follower on Instagram and they're like questioning their self worth. It's like, all right, that's not a fucking crisis. <laughs> it, it's funny when when I was doing a lot of one on one coaching, I would I would say, uh, listen, if there's like, I would say I don't answer emails on the weekend. Um, but like, if you have an emergency, shoot me an email, just put emergency in the subject line. And I would say, just so you know, there's no reason to write me an email. If you're having like any, literally anything emergency related should not come to me. If you're having an emergency, you call 911, like <laughs> going to a party and not knowing what they're going to have there is not an emergency. You do not put emergency in the subject line. Cause you don't know how many calories is going to be in that meal. Like you don't send your nutrition coach emergency emails. I was like, just so you know. Um, so I was like, people really like, they, they freak out about this stuff. So it's like, let's relax a little bit. You're not having an emergency because of this. Um, with that being said, I'll use, always use the example of like, my brother is a good example recently. He spent his whole life super overweight, struggling with his weight, really difficult. In the last couple of years, he lost 150 pounds, completely changed his life. Um, completely changed, like incredible. It's unbelievable. And I see his confidence improving, his health improving. It's the most amazing thing. And I tell people, I'm like, there are people who spend 30, 40, 50 years not exercising, eating like shit, not doing anything. And out of nowhere, they're like, you know what? I'm going to make a change. They lose 200 pounds. They get their life in check and they live much longer, much healthier, much happier after 40 years of not doing it. And now you fell off track after you moved, which yeah, it's super stressful. And, and you've been out of it for like a month and you think you ruined all your progress. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like there are going to be people who as of on this day right now are 200 pounds overweight. They're not going to make a change for another 10 years. And when they make that change, their life is going to be completely different. It's like, why do you think your moving crisis over the last month is all of a sudden enough to completely derail you? Like shut the fuck up and get back on track. That's it. Yeah. It's pretty Thanks simple. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
And this is my personal one. I'm over 50 and I can't lose weight. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it's funny. Pe- people often ask, like, does it get harder as you get older? And everything gets harder. I'm over 50. It's hard, but yeah. it's, it's just different. My body's just different. It's different. It's the main reason it's hard though, is it's life is different at 50 than it was at 20. Like you have more responsibility. You have more stress. You have more things going on, more things to worry about, less time to work out, less time to get your nutrition. So it's like less time, more worry, more stress, all this stuff in general, like anything is harder. Learning a language at 50 is harder than learning a language at 20. Losing fat is going to be harder, but it's not because of anything with your body as much as it is just simply lifestyle and behavior. Um, there are aspects physiologically that do make it more difficult, but it's it's not that much really actually until you hit like mid-60s. And even then, it's not that much. Um, it's really about behavior and lifestyle. That's like the most important thing. Um, and that's the, like, think about when you're a kid, <laughs> do you ever like when you're when your daughter, you said your daughter is turning 21, right? Do you remember when your daughter was like four years old and like she was probably running around like crazy, right? You could walk down a hallway and you might take seven steps, but she would take 482 steps. Right. She's like, <laughs> going all around. It's like, that's a lot of energy expended. That's a lot. Like, it's crazy. Like how much they do when, when we relax, if I'm relaxing, I sit down on the couch and I don't move. Like the only thing I move is Me like either. bicep, bicep curled in my mouth with the, right. with the chips, right? Definitely. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> finger presses that's it yep yeah that's it whereas like kids they're like eh, like moving around I'm not, like doing whatever like they're always moving that stuff adds up and we don't think about that where it's like yes so now in order to get that extra movement in you're gonna have to make an effort and you have to think about it whereas as a kid you're not thinking about it as much oftentimes we think about it so much that we like overemphasize it it's like it's constantly going in our head there's something that i call like there's a difference between being in a calorie deficit versus being in a calorie deficit mindset right where it's like you have these people who are like always thinking about wanting to lose weight and it's always top of mind i need to lose weight i need to lose weight i need to lose weight but they're not consistent with it and they never actually do it. It's, and that's draining because you're thinking about it all the time. And you're like, oh God, I'm just always dieting. When in reality, it's like, no, you're not fucking dieting. Like you're eating in a calorie surplus. You're enjoying yourself. You're just guilting yourself about it because you're draining yourself, always thinking about it. So it's when there's a difference between being in the mindset of it and then actually doing it and the mindset of it, but not actually doing it is the worst. So it does, everything gets harder as you age, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just, you have to put a concerted effort into it. And I think for me, even like when you have habits that are 20, 30 years old, those are harder to change. So I think something that was something I realized that it wasn't so much my age. It was just that I had locked in some pretty good habits and just the way I did things that just needed to be unlearned a little bit. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Habits are difficult to change. So, I mean, that's why if you're brought up a certain way and your parents fed you a certain way and like, that's what you eat, it's like, it can be very difficult. You have to go out, you have to research, you have to find new foods, all that stuff. Like habits are, that's why it's so important from a young age. Like that's why like, I'm very, I'm already like thinking about, you know, my, my daughter seeing me exercise and we have all this like exercise equipment around and all that stuff. And she'll also see me like eating ice cream and all this, like not saying, no, I can't have that because it has to be a balance of both. So it is very important to have both worlds from a very young age. But if you like, it's funny. My mom is here. She's been here for four weeks. She's gonna be here for another week. 
and my wife sees like the stuff that she cooks and my mom she can make the healthiest meal just fucking insanely high calorie like my like my is so funny the other night she was like hey would you like turkey burgers and my wife was like yes that would be amazing so my mom makes turkey burgers she makes turkey burgers that like a like could be a really great meal into something that was unnecessarily like the most ridiculously unhealthy thing i've ever seen i'm like what and my wife is like what why did she do like, why did she use that much butter? I was like, that's what I grew up with. Like that's, that was it. And it's all from her heart and she is right. all with love, but that's what she was brought up with. And, and she was brought up in a house where it was like, you know, they had very little food and they came from a very like a, uh, like a starvation era. Like my grandfather coming from Russia at 12 years old without knowing a word of English escaping Tsar Nicholas. It's like, we're going to, we want to eat as much as we can. We're going to use super high fat, high, high calorie foods to fill us up more. And it's like, and then you're going to finish everything on your plate. It's like, that's what I was brought up with. So it's, it was difficult, but we can all do it. It's just, it's, it requires an open mind and willingness to change. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I have one more excuse for you. All right. I lost some weight. I've been, I've been doing all the things, but now I am plateaued. I can't lose any more weight. I have 10 more pounds. I want to lose. Help me. Oh, there's so many places we could go with this. Number one is how long have you been plateaued, right? They're like a lot of people are like, they haven't lost weight for seven minutes. And they're like, they're like, I'm plateaued. I'm like, no, you're not. That's not a plateau. Most people who think they're plateaued are not plateaued. Like most people think like they haven't lost weight for a day or a week or two weeks. For me, a plateau is a minimum of four weeks, minimum of four weeks of at least 90% consistency. That's, that's a plateau. If you have not been 90% consistent for four weeks straight, you're not in a plateau. You're just not being consistent enough. Now, from a lifestyle perspective, I'm performing more of an 80-20 approach. But if you're really trying, I would rather you be more consistent than decrease your calories, right? It's like, I would rather increase your consistency at your current calories than decrease your calories just to try and lose weight more quickly. That's like, it's a recipe for a disaster. So for me, the the order of events is, increase consistency and if consistency and duration doesn't improve doesn't result have the result we want then we decrease calories or it could be increased consistency and then from there maybe increase activity depending on how many steps they're getting so if they're like if they're only getting 2000 steps a day like well before we decrease calories how about we get you to 4000 steps a day right and then see what happens that might be enough so number one looking at your consistency um number one looking at the duration of the plateau if it's less than four weeks you're not in a plateau. If you are less than 90% consistent, you're not in a plateau. Um, from there, if you're not getting at least like 7,500 steps a day, get up to that level before you decide to decrease your calories. Um, and that's really it. Like people throw around, people throw around the words plateau and overtraining way too frequently. Like, am I, am I overtraining? It's like, motherfucker, you work out two times a week for 45 minutes. You're not overtraining. Like what the, are you out of your mind? Like, no, <laughs> most people think they're, they're, ooh, what happened to my voice right there? Need some water. Um, <laughs> Need a sip of that Diet Coke. I'm going to love that. <laughs> it's poisonous. Oh my God. Um, people, uh, everyone thinks because they don't lose weight for seven minutes that they're in a plateau it's no it's it's not how it works it, it takes time i can count on two hands how many clients i've had in the last 11 to 12 years who've legitimately been in a plateau oh, really? oh wow like, that's really legit the, and those are people who who have been 
like they're in insane levels of low body fat. There were usually high level athletes. So one of the guys is a, a one of like top 20 best jujitsu fighters in the world who I coach. And like, I'll show you, I'll show you this picture right now. You're going to freak. When I show you, like, I want you to see. And, and so everyone listening can hear your reactions to this. This guy, you're going to be like, holy shit. This is what I mean. Like, hold on. I need to, here, I'll, I'll take a screenshot and then zoom in for you. This is like the level where someone really starts to be at a plateau. Yeah. Okay. You see, Not me. Okay. Yeah, like totally shredded <laughs> beyond belief. Like you can see every muscle. Like if someone, like if you're not like that, you're not in a plateau. Like you're just not, you're, you're not unless most of the time when you think you're in a plateau, you're just overeating. Right. There's like, like for someone like that, like at his level, like his body is fighting him at that point. <laughs> he, and he felt like shit. The only reason we had to get that low is he had to make weight for a huge competition for essentially the Olympics of jujitsu. It's like, yeah, now like you're in a real plateau. So how do we get through this? But most people don't get there. And I don't even like to talk about it because then people who you are like 37% body fat are going to be yeah. doing shit that someone who's like 5% body fat should be doing. <laughs> like, it's just, it's not the same. I also feel like for like regular schmegular people like us who are trying to lose weight, like it's really underrated uh, when you're going through a weight loss process that you're maintaining the weight you've already lost. Like yes. I feel like that yes. is lost on so many people and then they maybe don't lose for a little bit because it does get harder and harder. Um, and then they give up and then they go all the way back and regain everything and kind of start that cycle back over again. It's a great point. It's super, super overlooked where it's like maintaining a lower weight is progress. You're yeah. exactly right. I, I wish more people understood that. Super important. Hard to do. I mean, I just, yeah. we come from the Weight Watcher world, which we're not in anymore, but we sit and watch people lose weight and gain it all back and lose weight, yep. gain right. it all back. I mean, well, it's really but, hard to watch. Yeah, but Which w isn't surprising when they demonize bananas. Like, Yeah, I mean, WW <laughs> is not sustainable long-term because they change their program every couple of years. So like, yeah, like that's one of the many reasons it's not sustainable. Like, but for instance, when I did the program, seafood was zero points, right? Because you use smart points. <laughs> And you get a certain amount of points. So, you know, it's to encourage you to eat lean proteins. Well, yeah. now a piece of salmon that would have been zero when I was on it before is now seven or eight points out of my like 20 points for the day. For the wow. entire day. And that's such a mind fuck for somebody who. You Why know, would someone want to eat salmon then? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you. it's just not eating healthy sustainable. Things. It's created to help you lose weight. That's and disappointing. Keep coming back so they can keep getting your money. Failing and keep them coming back. That's 100%. really disappointing, especially like. It's like when people like don't eat avocado or don't eat salmon because like it's higher calorie. It's like or you're missing fat. out on so many benefits of like. Again, going to the highest, the longest living populations, one, they, the Mediterranean diet, like so much olive oil, so oh. much fatty fish. It's like, and now keep in mind, the longest living populations are also not the most shredded. But when your goal is to be shredded as opposed to live longer, I think you've got your, your shit fucked up. Totally like, <laughs> like I would way rather be like, yeah, your priorities are fucked when it's like, I would rather be shredded to bits and like lose X amount of years off my life. It's like- right. At your funeral, nobody's going to be talking about how shredded this you are. This is a weird question, but is there a difference between fat loss and weight loss? Like, oh, huge, right. huge, completely. I, I mean, it's, they're not, not a lot. Different. And okay, well, what is the difference? Yeah. Like, so, 
I was looking for my mini whiteboard. I think it's in the other room, but we had, it's like a Venn diagram, right? So it's like, you have a, a Venn diagram, you have two different circles and they overlap. So that's what fat loss and weight loss. So there, there's some similarities, but they're not one of the same. So for example, when I was cutting weight for wrestling and I was dehydrating myself, was I losing fat when I did that? No, I was, I was losing weight on the scale. I would lose like 10 pounds of water in several hours, but I would gain it back as soon as I drank something. Like if you want to try an interesting experiment, when you wake up in the morning, weigh yourself before you pee and poop, then pee and poop, and then weigh yourself after. Uh, the other day, I did up my story. It's on my my highlights. I lost almost a pound just from peeing. I literally lost like just two ounces less than a pound just from from peeing. And then when I added the poop on top of it, it was like over a pound. <laughs> it was over a pound just from from using the bathroom. And no, no one in the right mind would say, "Wow, you lost a pound of fat." It's like, no, I just shit and pissed. It's like, that's it. But if you think about it like this, if I have a a bucket, a, a bucket that's empty, it's very light. I can swing it around, not a big deal. But then you run into the water at the beach, you fill all that, that bucket up. It's like, oh shit, that's really, really heavy now. It's very difficult to move, right? It's like you ever see a kid at the beach try and like walk with a heavy bucket filled with water? It's like, it's funny because they can't do it. It's really, really heavy, but an empty one, it's no problem. It just weighs more. It's not filled with fat. It's filled with water. And like your picture, your stomach- like a bucket. You've got water, you've got food. And then not to mention your muscles will absorb different things. Your muscles will absorb stored carbohydrates. Your muscles will absorb, like you absorb water. You hold it. Like if you are dehydrated, your muscles will act like a sponge shoots water out, but you want your muscles to absorb water. That's actually why creatine will often make people gain weight, not fat, because creatine will cause your muscles to store, to suck water in, to hydrate it. So your muscles act like a sponge. So fat loss is when you only lose fat. Weight loss is you could take a shit. You could okay. cut off your leg. You cut off your leg, you lost weight. Congratulations. Um, weight loss could be dehydrating yourself. Weight loss, there's still like, I, I'll never forget this. One time I was a couple ounces overweight for wrestling. This is when I had a lot of hair, which I no longer have. I, I tried to cut my bangs off because I thought that would be a couple ounces. Didn't, was not a couple ounces. My bangs weighed literally nothing. So I went into school just with no bangs when I had a big head of hair and I was like, I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but yeah, it's just weight is literally anything. Okay. Fat is specifically fat. But if you're in a calorie deficit, it can help you lose fat. Correct. You will lose fat, but you'll also lose weight. Um, you'll, you'll lose weight just as you lose fat, you inherently lose weight. You will. Um, as you lose weight, you're not inherently losing fat. That's the difference, okay. right? When you lose weight, doesn't necessarily mean fat. When you lose fat, you definitively lose weight. Okay. That's, that's why when people are like- Clarification that I wanted. <laughs> that's why when I always laugh, people are like, yeah, I, I'm losing I'm losing fat, but I'm gaining weight. It's like, and they're like, I think it's because I'm gaining muscle. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. It's like, and muscle weighs more than fat. It's like, listen, a pound of bricks weighs the same as a pound of feathers, right? It's like, it's- it's, it's the same as same. a little different, but yeah, it'll look different. Absolutely. But, and when you're in a calorie deficit, you can build muscle, but you're, you're not building that much muscle that fast. Like if you're losing fat, you're losing weight period end of story. It might not be every day. It will not be every day. It won't be every week on a more month to month basis. But if you're actually losing fat, your weight will be going down. Cool. All right. I have, I have one last question for you, Jordan. Um, what is your sorting house? <laughs> oh man i so here's what i i like to say gryffindor because that's like i like to think of myself in that light um i've taken the tests online like i'm such a harry potter nerd i've taken the test and every time uh i've i'm putting ravenclaw and a lot of people tell me i would be a ravenclaw 
I I like to think of myself as a Gryffindor, and I know the Sorting Hat would take your own choice into account. So I think he would put me in there, but I don't know. So I, it's between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. What about each of you? I'm Gryffindor. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Hufflepuff. Okay, my wife is a Hufflepuff. <laughs> no, I, I love that. Pretty Harry cool. Potter. I do events for a living. I own an event marketing company and I just did a big Harry Potter event. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. It was a couple weeks ago. And using Harry Potter references is actually how we finally got you on our show. So I love that. I wrote an email. I'm like, I'm just just two muggles. Like, I mean, because I've been, it took me a year to get you on our show, which was, you're like our unicorn. So we're really excited, but I, I, that was my, my last assistant email. loves Harry Potter. My assistant has um the Deathly Hallows tattooed on her arm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So we we all love Harry Potter. Um, Felicia, I had a question. I don't know um if you both were Felicia. I know you mentioned you were in the inner circle. Are you? Are you? I'm not anymore. I was, okay. but I haven't been. My membership was up, but I used so, it at the beginning of my journey and. Was there anything that you liked or didn't like or that you thought could be improved? No, I mean, I think for me, I don't like Facebook groups and those kinds of groups. Like, it's just not my thing. And so I, you know, I would say that there's probably a lot. I'm very much like a one-on-one person, but I felt like it was really good for someone that was sort of new, like new to their journey. And it was perfect for me. But then I started to get into spaces where I needed some really specific questions answered. And, you know, clearly I can't call you directly. So, um, so I think I got a lot of information though from your podcast. So that was a good way to get some questions answered that I had, but I'm sure if I were to use the Facebook groups and those kinds of things, that would serve me. I'm just not into it. It's just not. Was was the app available when you joined or when you remember or no? Okay. Did you, did you um, use the app? I, I d- no, I don't know if the app was available. I didn't use okay. the app. Okay. I, I, I always like to get users feedback. So I just wanted to ask to see if there's anything. And like, but if there was, was anything you were like, Hey, I didn't like this. Please the tell me. Laid out really well. Everything is okay. super simple. I felt like, and I do feel like the book really reinforces it. Good. Quite Good. A That's bit. what I want. So yeah. I really, I went through, the, got through the book in like a day. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. I, that- Good. Well, thank you. You're both amazing. I hope, you know, if, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. You know how to get in contact with me. You know, my assistant's name is Kat and she loves Harry Potter as well. So uh, <laughs> if you ever need anything, please, like thank you're you. two amazing, you're amazing hosts. I, I think you're doing a great job. I do a lot of podcasts and I don't say that unless I mean it. So oh, really, really, you're, you're both fantastic. I, I loved speaking with both of you and, uh, and all the best luck in the world. Wish you, you nothing do. but health and happiness and success. And if I can ever help with, with fitness or with business or anything, please don't hesitate oh, to reach out. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You and good luck being a dad and being in Texas. Yeah. Texas. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amazing. Well, have a wonderful night. You too. Marlena, will you stay? Yeah, I'll stay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.